MindZone Muscle Community, welcome to the Fitness Pro Mentors interview series. If you want to hear some amazing interviews from amazing fitness professionals all over the world, please join our Fitness Pro Mentors private Facebook group. But today, let's make it rain. Hey everybody, welcome to Fitness Pro Mentors. And I'm really excited. Over the last few weeks, we've had incredible success, incredible interviews. If you're coming back, you'll know that I just had a beautiful baby daughter, Hayden Lee Elizabeth Green. It's absolutely insane. But to kick this week off to get started, I have a good friend, an old friend, Mr. Michael Goulden joining me. Michael, how are you? I am good. Brenda, thank you for having me on. Oh my gosh. Honestly, when I was thinking of people to have on, you're near the top of my list because you have done so much for so long. And thinking back to even my journey when I was going through RTS Mastery with Tom Purvis, you were one of the people that I really looked up to and asked a lot of questions to because you had a great grasp of the information. And even at that time, 10 years ago, perhaps, I can't remember, quite a mm -hmm. while ago, uh, you were already, mm -hmm. you had already had your own studio. You'd been working as a trainer for a really long time. You've been educating and mentoring trainers, which is one of the reasons why I love you. So really quickly, I'm going to ask Michael a bunch of questions. Michael is the founder of Integra Training, Integra Education, and perhaps other entrepreneurial ventures that I'm unaware of, which I hope I find out today if there are. And if you're not <laughs> following Michael, you have to check him out, Integra Training, Integra Education, Michael Goulden. And he told me today he's an introvert, so if you're watching this, you have to ask live questions, make them uncomfortable. I actually challenged him to pee on camera and he said, nope, but we'll see if he does it. So Michael, I'm psyched to have you. What I want to ask you first thing is I actually don't know this. How did you become a trainer? What's your origin story? I, uh, uh, I actually started going to gyms when I was 10, 12. My uncle took me to the gym when I was that, that, that young and back where I'm from, gyms are not fancy. Well, they weren't fancy at that time. It was really kind of, you know, it's, it's basically where the, the club bouncers and the local drug dealers kind of hung out. Um, and so, so, so that was kind of my first entry into that gym environment. And, and for some reason, that environment really stuck with me. And so I just kind of hung out there and trained and, you know, kind of explored all things exercise. And around about the age of 15, 16, I was offered a job. And that, that, that really is just it. You know, one of the gyms that I went to, the owner came up to me and said, you seem to like exercise. Would you like to become a trainer? And so I started a job unqualified, uncertified, definitely not insured. And that's, that was kind of the starting point. And obviously it's, it's steamrolled from there. And there are a few certifications since then. Now, it's so funny. I don't know why personal trainers, it's kind of a thing when you go to the gym. You got amazing quads and calves, so it must have been that. They see you working out, you're doing some That's cool it. stuff, and they go, hey, you <laughs> on the floor, I don't know you, but you do some good stuff here. Do you want to become a trainer? Um, but you said something. Yeah. You said that you were going and things were sticking with you. Like There was some stuff that really kind of like resonated with you that kept you going there. Uh, what resonated with yeah. you? What got you excited about being there? You know, I, I did a lot of different sports when I was younger. I played football, soccer, rugby, um, I did martial arts. Um, the, the gym environment is one that, actually the gyms that I went to, and I went to a few different ones, they were all, if it was a, a spit and sawdust gym, or if it, you know, it got a little bit more fancy, like a local council gym, they were all quite inclusive. And when I say that, it wasn't, you know, there, were, there was no bitchiness, there was no kind of clickiness. It was really, you know, people were there for themselves. Uh, one of the natural bodybuilding gyms that I went to, they were there to, to progress themselves and it was very much, they wanted to help each other out. And I thought there was something quite, you know, some kid from where I'm from, I'm 13 years old. You've got people around you that are actually kind of going, Hey, do you want to, you know, try this, maybe do it this way. Don't do that. You know, that, that sort of, that, that sense of belonging. And that, that's, that's, I guess, one of 
you know, you know, us as human beings, that's one of our uh, desires to, to belong to something. And so that was, that was part of the big deal there. That's amazing. I think, yeah, I mean, I love that. And I think that that's a big part of a lot of people. I, I don't know. Like, this is an odd question and kind of more direct, but I always had the belief that most people go to gyms because they have some, they're missing something or they have some insecurity at the very beginning of it. Like for me, I was 100%, 100%, I was a skinny guy and I wanted to just look a little bit better while I was playing drums. For you, were mm. you, was there anything that you were missing or you just didn't feel great about that got you into the gym that helped you in that way? Or did you just love working out? I, it, it was the experience. So you've got that external environment, but the internal environment that, that, you know, back 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 in back in those days, your education was looking at someone else, and it was, right. you know, muscle and fitness. And for sure, at that point, you know, my kind of you know thirteen year old mind was looking at you know the front cover and all of these and kind of copying all of these bodybuilders. But again, it was something that I just enjoyed the experience. That you know, part of it maybe was a ritual, part of it was actually the sensations when I was there. And, and also just trying to figure things out. There were some things that I just didn't like the feel of, didn't do them. There were some that I loved the feel of, I did them. And and, and, and that was it. And, it. and it was really a, um, you know, for some people going to the gym is a social thing. For me, it's not. So for all the inclusive environment, I actually quite like the, the solitude of the gym environment. So now, you know, headphones on. I mean, now it's pretty easy because I just come into my place. Yeah. you know, 5.30 a.m. And, and do my training there and just have my music on. And But, but, but that, that, that kind of focus and attention and there's nothing else. All, all of uh, the stresses, you know, when you're 13 years old, all the way up to when you're, you know, 97 years old, all of the stresses can be left at the door. So, so it was really about that. Um, and, and also, you know, there's a, there's a, um, Apart from the community, there, there, you, you, you don't, you could compete with other people, but also it's a competition with yourself. Yeah. That leg press, I'm doing 480. Can I do 490? Can I do 500? That sort of thing. I love it. I love that. Now, a question, and it's actually prompted by something that Jacques brought up in the Minds on Muscle interview, and I want to ask you this. And we're kind of jumping ahead, but we're going to come back. You have really reached like multiple layers of success in this industry that I would say, in my opinion, are higher and above the rest. And a big part of your success has been a big part, in my opinion, is that you're a thinker and you really break things down and you think a lot on your exercise journey, your own personal process. Jacques and I were talking and he was saying that he has a hard time playing and enjoying being in the gym because he's overthinking about so many things and trying to make it perfect and trying to figure out where it fits in and sometimes misses out on the love of it. Do you still have that same love and enjoyment? Is it still playing and exploring or do you find yourself getting caught? No, I'm definitely, this is, this, this is my time. So, so you've got, you've got, you know, you've, you've got client time, a, a client's got a problem. I've got to figure out a solution. And so we're going to spend some time on that. You've got, there's a, there's an idea that I'm exploring and, and me and Jacques are currently exploring a few things right now and, and doing some of our kind of independent studies and comparing data. So, so I'm exploring that, uh, but my training time is, 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 is my time. And that's where, you know, I've got a goal for this session, which is part of a, a wider goal that I've got. But in within that, I get to I get to, to to screw around. I get to kind of you know play around with this and kind of 
you know, just just continue to sometimes re rediscover some of the stuff that I haven't played around with for 10, 15, 20, 25 years. I love it. And hey, just very quickly, um, someone says you definitely could leg press 500 pro. So just letting <laughs> you know, people believe that you're stronger. And I believe you are too. I know what you got under those pants there, man. Both ways. All right. So taking that a little bit further, right? So now you're a personal trainer and how did you evolve from becoming this, Hey, you should be a trainer in our gym to the point now where you opened a personal training studio. Do you mind talking about that journey and what even prompted you to become an entrepreneur and take that onto your shoulders? You know, you know, I I was thinking about this just before coming on this week and just uh, in, in terms of that journey, there's lots of resources right now and there's some good and there's some not not so good in terms of business and you've got the the kind of rules and you've got colleagues of ours and peers of ours in the industry around the world that have been very very successful and so externally if you think about how do you measure success um you know we i i i have a peer here in london that, that, that that's global they've got a, a a bunch of facilities all over the place and so it's interesting when you think about business and you think about how you how you measure success and how you look upon how they get to that point. So if we're kind of looking at it from that perspective in terms of this kind of external and we look at the business resources, there are steps that I never did. Right in the beginning, I never wrote a business plan. I never wrote a financial plan. I never thought about what I'm going to do next year. I never thought what I'm going to be doing five years from now. I didn't think about HR. I didn't think about, you know, all of the legal aspects. So in some respects, I did it the dumb way. I did it the stupid way. I just kind of leaked. And it was really, you know, my first studio was, I was training someone. They were, um, we were doing sessions in a place. And this individual was a, a prominent Pilates teacher. She was coming to me for training. And she had her own venue and she said just off the kind of the back of a session, there's a venue, there's a space going in, in my building. Do you want to come and take a look at it? And so later that afternoon we went down, I had a look at the place, spoke to the landlord. And then two weeks later I was in the studio. Amazing. And in that two weeks, I managed to get the equipment. I managed to move clients in there and all of a sudden I had a, I had a studio. So there's not much planning that went into that. And, and, and that's kind of over the years, there's some repetition for that. There's no plan. Interesting. Now, of course, you know, you, you don't get to, to this point 25 years later without there being something there. And that, that must be more to do with the values and the guiding principles that kind of that carry you along. Because at that point, I was doing 45 sessions a week. And that was really easy in terms of acquiring clients, retaining clients, delivering results for clients, getting known for, for the thing that I was doing. You said something that I think is really interesting. And this is coming off the heels of something I asked Curtis Clay. Um, you talked about how you kind of just jumped into it and you didn't do this traditionally. Actually, off air, you were talking about how you didn't do this traditionally. One thing we talk about in our program is that for a lot of folks, B plus consistently applied is far more effective than A plus material procrastinated. And you have Mm -hmm. a very sharp, clear image on all of your content now. Um, But saying something like that, B plus consistently beats A plus not done 
consistently. What are your thoughts on that? One hundred percent. But 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 also, you know, there's a there's there's preparation in everything that you do. There's preparation in in everything that you consider and think about um, when you pull the trigger. You, 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 you may have already done the work in some areas without you actually taking the time to go, I'm looking at, up in a studio and I'm going to do it this way, which for anyone listening is absolutely 100% the correct way to do it. Um, but, but the thing with, you know, taking a leap is that there's, there's an element of trial and error. And that trial and error is, is you're, you're testing things out, you're trying caps on and you're seeing how does this work. And that's the same thing that you do with students. That's the same thing you do with clients. That's the same thing you do with yourself. I'm going to, I'm going to jump onto this machine and I'm going to try something here and I'm going to see how it works. Now, if I, in the business sense, decided to invest 500,000 Canadian dollars into something, the risk is high. If I'm taking my client that's got underlying health conditions and I'm putting her through you know, an extreme version of some sort of GVT, 10 sets of 10 or whatever, um, the risk is high. So how can we, you know, the, 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 the thing that I always say to, 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 to myself is what's the worst that could happen. And so when I, when I moved into that studio, what's the worst that could happen? I have to close it. Right. No big deal. Um, but the way that I set it up was, was, was with that in mind. So that, you can you can deviate and your path will change you set the compass and you kind of figure it out as you go along which i think is the best i mean i completely agree you jump in you make it happen but you also have to have like this confidence and comfort that your direction is going to change and it's okay that it changes you're going to turn left you're going to turn mm. right and it's that silly image that people say hey success is like this no it's actually that squiggly line uh, but as long as you find comfort in the like, what is what did Jacques used to say? Preparation and chaos. As long as you're like comfortable with yeah. the chaos and you can bounce around and go with it, that'd be great. Now you said trial and error, right? So you started off this studio, you had this offer, you found this space two weeks later, you kind of just jumped in with both feet. Warren Buffett would lose his mind, but you did it and you've really crushed it. Along the way, um, what kind of challenges would you say that you faced that you maybe didn't expect that forced you to pivot uh, Integra training? Hmm. Couple of things. So, so as I grew, so as I moved out of the first studio, I went into another studio. I didn't take the appropriate advice on a lease, and so that was one of those things where I had to pivot because I, I made a, 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 a business decision, and I, and I sought out certain advice, but didn't get the full picture in terms of the, the terms of the lease. So at that point, I had to move. I had to leave, and I had to pivot. It turned out to be a really successful move in that in terms of the business was at a certain point and it was at six times the size about 18 months later so so that wasn't you know the, it, it was it was painful to have to close a studio when it was not a a decision of mine at that point in time it wasn't kind of part of the the non-plan as should i say um and then, then the other thing is is really just how to navigate, you know, for, for you to scale something like this, how do you navigate that? How do you navigate that and create a culture, create a team, create a, uh, an environment that is both fulfilling for the clients that come in, fulfilling for the team, 
and, and fulfills my personal goal of creating an impact on, on our industry. So you've got kind of three levels of goals within within that. And, and, and the team thing is, has always been a um, both absolutely rewarding and, you know, complex and uh, tough to navigate sometimes. I think that's really huge. And it's funny because, you know, I opened this place six years, Strata six years ago. And if I look back to like all the people I looked up to, and then we talked about this in our program the other day about being like the people who have the fixer mentality and run a clinic style space versus like a studio training studio. And I look back and if I look at like who's got the most success, right? And by success defining that they have great clients, they have great client leads, they've got a great team, the team sticks around for a long time, people want to join it. I think of a handful of places and PHP is one of them, Curtis Clay's place. I think of our place, I'm a little gratuitous by saying that, I think of your place because <laughs> your place has really stood the test of time in my opinion um, through you know mm -hmm. the market changing, through COVID uh, and you have a very consistent image. When it's come to building a culture community and a team, what philosophies are important to you? And if you were going to share them with someone, what would you suggest people do to try and build that themselves? I think it becomes to, and, and, and we were talking about this just before we jumped on the, um, it's, it's, it's your responsibility. So, so, so your, where you are, your life right now is all down to you. And also in keeping with that, it's the people around you that will help you get to a certain point and how that kind of transfers to this team environment is that, um, I can tell you something and I can, you know, write a bunch of things down and write some standard operating procedures and I can give that to you and you can follow this recipe. But if I can somehow can it kind of impart perspectives or philosophies kind of the perspectives is, is really the, 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 the real one there that will enable you to go and figure this stuff out. That's, that's where we're going to get some longevity. And that that's, you know, we've had clients that have been with us for actually 20 years now. Nice. So our, our average retention is seven to 10 years, um, for nice our, time. for our, for our client base and, and you know, we need our team to be at that level too. We can't be that the industry average is to have a turnover of 12 to 18 months. And that doesn't bode well in terms of creating that consistent culture. Um, so it's really, you know, I, I, and I talk about the responsibility and you need people and it's, and it's this, they're, they're kind of like opposing principles, but, but, it, but it really is. How do you create this team of people that are standing up and having a voice? And they're allowed to have a voice. How do you get this team of people that are coming in and they're, they're holding you accountable and kind of challenging you to, to, to step up, where, whereas you're doing the same for them? You know, and, and it's really how can everyone uh, come together in that respect? And, and that sounds kind of um, cliched. Uh, as soon as the words come out of my mouth, it sounds cliched, but it really does come down to how can we develop self-trust? Self-trust in our colleagues, self-trust in our clients, self-trust in, in, in our fellow exercise professionals in terms of what we're doing. And so, Michael, you, as someone who doesn't like to talk about yourself and is also an introvert, as you regarded before we spoke, 
how have you developed mm-hmm. self-trust with yourself? Because it's funny, when we were chatting before this, you mentioned that yeah, it's something that's outside of my comfort zone. But from my observation, knowing you for many years, you seem to operate with a high level of comfort and precision, which means to me, it looks like you have an incredible level of self-trust, even if you're scared, nervous, or anxious jumping into a scenario. What's worked for you? Hmm. You know, if, if you imagine a, 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 you need some certainty and you need some uncertainty. And I have grown up with so much uncertainty and I love the uncertainty. I love change. And, you know, even when I was younger, I would change things in, you know, in, in where, where I lived or, you know, I will want to move things around here or I want to change things on the website. Like I like the, the, the prospect of iteration and change, but that certainty is, is what, what creates that. And so, you know, I, I have, for all of these years really considered that I've got no idea what I'm doing. That's, that's, that's the reality. Yeah. So, so I have got, I, I am so certain of that much to the, the kind of, uh, my, my partner, my colleagues will kind of screw up their face at me that I really, I've got no idea. I've got no idea if what I'm going to do is going to be helpful for this client. I've got no idea in the things that, 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 um, the things that I do are going to be successful. So I need to create a system and I need to create a series of checks and measures. And I need to have people around me that I can go, Hey, Brandon, Hey, Jack, I've just said this, what, you know, what am I missing? And being comfortable knowing that I know nothing and being comfortable knowing that, you know, I'm can create these relationships where I can go, what am I missing means that, that, that there's, there's going to be some safety net there. And so leading off of that, the idea of a mastery thought process where you truly never are the black belt, but perhaps you are the black belt, but you're constantly growing and challenging yourself. I'd say is a characteristic that I 100% would give to you for sure. Like that's 100% something you do. And that's how I met you was this program called Mastery, right? Resistance Training Specialist Mm. Mastery Program in Oklahoma. And I'd love to learn how you found Tom Purvis, RTS, and how you grew into that. Because the time that I met you, which I do believe was 10 years ago, coming back thinking of it, if it was not, it was close to that, maybe a little longer. Um, you seem mm-hmm. to have a lot of confidence and you've been in that world for a while. I think you'd been around RTS. You've been around RTS for a while doing the mastery process. Yeah. So um, how did you find Tom? How did you find RTS? You know, um, I opened a studio probably around, I'm going to say 2000. And at that point, I obviously had my qualifications. I'd been in the industry for, for four years, five years at that point. I moved down to London. I, I you know, I, I did that thing. And I just went on a journey of trying to find answers to all of the stuff that I was seeing. Um, I'd say that's, that's the number one, that's, that's, that's probably, probably my highest skill level. If I was to, to look at everything, I, I see things. And so I'm seeing something and it says in the textbook, it should be this. And I'm looking and I'm going, I can't see this thing that, 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 that should be here. And so I would go and do courses and I, every single year I would spend a lot of money. I'm trying to be good, trying to be better than what I was three months ago. And I think in these kind of three month, like three month blocks, I hope I'm better than one quarter ago. And, and so, you know, I, I was doing a bunch of education and 
some really kind of high level prolific education. And I would go to the top level in these courses and I would take the information away. And sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't. And it reached a point where I was, I was paying for tutoring with these uh, elite level educators. And I would go, hey, could you help me with these case studies? Here are the things I've explored. I've looked at this, 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 and this. And I've looked at this, 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 and this. this these are the results. What am I missing? And at that point, there was nothing. It was just like, it really kind of got to that point where there was like a shrug of the shoulders and it was like, you've done something wrong. Like it's, 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 it, it was kind of put back onto me. And, and, and so I was like, I got to make sure that I'm not doing anything wrong. And I go away and I do the same process. And, and it was kind of the same. I kept on coming to these kind of dead ends. Um, and so back in around 2003, I came across this uh, textbook and I think I bought it on ptonthenet.com, which is probably a website that no longer exists. And it was this resistance training specialist manual. And it, and it wasn't giving me any of the answers that I was looking for. It was actually giving me more questions. And that really definitely fits in with my kind of mental process. Like, like I, I, I don't want to be told the answer. Help me figure out how to get the answer. And there was all of this stuff where it was breaking down and all of this stuff that I'd not even considered. And then some stuff, it was kind of giving me actually the rationale for why I was feeling exercises in certain ways. So that was pretty cool. And so, so I, I, I just looked around and that, I think that was probably the first time that I went um, outside of the UK for education. And I flew to Sweden and I did a two or three day course with uh, um, uh, one of the RTS instructors, Dr. Uh, Mark Slavin. And then the rest was kind of history from there. The toughest thing with that was that after that, I think the next year I started going out to Oklahoma and I would be coming back here and I would be speaking to my team and I would be kind of reaching out to my colleagues, but, but no one else was kind of exploring this stuff at that time. And it was kind of, you know, back to the solitude of my four little walls here and just exploring all of this information. You know, I'd go away and do science one and I'd come back and I'd just be kind of thinking about this stuff, trying it out on clients. You know, how can I, how can I try it out on clients and let's see that, you know, make sure that we don't kind of cause any long-term damage. I joke, you know, it was kind of just kind of figuring out what, 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 what would be the appropriate thing. Um, but that, but that was kind of the journey to finding that, that particular program. And, and yeah, that must be, um, 2003 was the first time that, that I started reviewing that material. And you took all that information and you said, you kind of said something like the means to an end or something like that. I'm saying the words differently, but you took that entire program and then you became an instructor. You became someone who started teaching it in your local area. And I remember, I actually talk about you often because when I talk about people doing webinars, presentations, education, they always ask me, well, how do I know I'm ready to teach something or do education? And I tell them that you and I and Adrian Chu stood in Tom Purvis's garage while he was holding something he probably shouldn't have been holding. And he, we asked him like, hey, Tom, when do you know someone's ready to teach? He goes, They're, you're never ready to teach. You just have to get in. You just got to start and you got to try. There's people who are going to be good teachers, but you got to get in and you got to just do it. 
Um, what was that process like for you from being asked by Tom, which is always a great, a great honor to, Hey, do you want to teach this material? Yeah. And then taking it back home and then becoming an instructor and an authority, I'd like to say on the material. No, you know, it was, it, I think about n- n- number one, I, I, I use the, 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 the term teaching infrequently. You know, I, I, I like the word facilitation. Um, and that might just be a perception of mine. And that might be just my kind of, you know, ego wanting to kind of like step out of the kind of limelight and be kind of wing chung this information towards you sort of thing. Um, but the, but the, but that was a, that it, it was an, it, it was an amazing kind of experience. And, and it's uh, you, you're absolutely right. You you start and, and Tom said you start and you're never going to be that good. Just like you start becoming a trainee, you're not going to be that good. You you start being a, a, a dad, you, you might not be that good. As long as you keep them alive, that's that's you you know it's good going, right? And and that that that's across the board is kind of it's it's about stepping up. I've I've now stepped on stage in front of four hundred people, and I think I sucked. I honestly do. I think it was terrible, but that was the first time that I'd ever stepped on stage in front of so many people. And, you know, it is for, for all of them. It was, it's, it's a, um, a a learning experience and it's, it's as long as we can not be defeated by the sensations when you do them, then you get to iterate and you get to become better. And I think that's from 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 teaching or facilitating regularly. I feel that I'm getting to that point now. You know, all of these years later, where I am getting a little bit better every single time. Uh, and I think looking back to that first one, you know, I could go, "Ooh, I'm embarrassed," and you know, probably made a lot of mistakes that I don't even remember right now. I actually write things down afterwards so I can kind of reflect. Um, so I could go back to those notes, but that's okay because for everyone in there, I know most of them now and, and that nudged the needle in that direction. The same thing with clients is nudging the needle. This idea that we're going to be perfect is, is, is flawed. Oh my gosh, absolutely. But it comes back to what you were just saying is that you kind of got to jump in, you know, you have the best intentions, Mm. you know, that you may not have the level of, of ownership over the information that you want, but you do know you've got more ownership over the information than the people who are coming to your class. Therefore, you can give them something that they didn't have when they came. You got to jump in. And mm-hmm. I mean, I love it because I think I see you and myself and many other people who became instructors around the same time, educators, uh, own entrepreneurs, owning their own facility, and the confidence in which they had delivered the information, the confidence they prevent, prevent them, uh, present themselves, their facility image, all of that, you see it growing. And I love it. It's funny. The, my yeah. first course was my absolute largest course and it blew chunks. <laughs> I don't know why I booked an RTS missing link and I had 25 people sign up and I'm sure they thought it was Tom. 
and it was the most challenging experience. But when you're talking about the size of people, the largest group I've ever spoken in front of is 150. And I would say that speaking to the group of 150 was far less scary than the group of 25 because the 150, you're on stage, you can tell there's people there, but they're not like, you can't see their facial expressions. You can't see them yawning. You can't really see them, you know? <laughs> but when it's the 25, there are all these faces that are like really close to you and it's so much more intimate uh, and it really holds you accountable. Did you find anything like that? Do you find larger groups easier? Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. So, so I've done, uh, I think, three uh, stage presentations now. And, 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 and for each of them, in fact, the one with 400, you know, I kind of chose uh, six or seven people to speak to. And so that I could actually still connect with the kind of the, the width of the room. Um, but I was also, I, I, I knew that I was doing okay because I was, I was able to present the information. I, I met a, um, there were technical difficulties on that part. And, you know, I made a mess of, of the length of this thing, you know, even, even after practicing terrible, terrible. And, 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 and some of the ideas as I was there on the fly, I was already changing the order of the presentation that was coming. So I was being aware of that. I was able to kind of speak and, I, and then I was kind of connecting with people. It, it was fine. It was fine. I know that the one that I'll do next is going to be better and, and, and we're going to go from there. The thing is, is was there an idea that I was able to, to, to impart on, on those individuals? The, the thing that I was just thinking there, you know, with the RTS materials and you said about the ownership of the materials, um, it, it, it's really, it, it, it was so evident um, witnessing you that when you went through that program, you clearly had a passion for exercise. You clearly had a passion for training. You clearly had a passion for figuring this stuff out. And by having the kind of the right environment on your brain, you soaked up this information and you embodied it. So, so it's, for, 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 for you, it's not even a, a, did I own the information? You embodied it. And so when you go back to clients, and I, and I remember asking you questions about how you applied it with people, because I was curious how other people did it. And the way that, that, that you'd already kind of start to figure out a thought process for yourself, for these ingredients that you were learning. And, and that's, that's testament to, to, to you. And, you know, the, the, the key thing with when you're working with clients, I think this is my perspective, the key thing when you're working with clients and the key thing when you're working with students and you're teaching is, do you have empathy? And so do you have empathy for the client? They don't know what you know. They don't experience, they've not experienced what you've experienced. Can you have empathy of, of their experience right now? Can you ask the right questions to figure out what did they want to experience? What do they want to get out of this? How can you create something which feels amazing? And that, that for me is, 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 you know, you take these ingredients and, and it becomes part of you. Um, similarly, in a, in a class environment, the, the trainers that are coming in don't have your experience. They don't have your knowledge. Yeah. Do you, can you empathize with the, what, where they are? Can you empathize with the problems that they're trying to solve? And that's always a question I ask, like, why are you here? What's the problem that you're trying to solve? If, if you're coming here because you just want to compete against someone on Instagram, or if you're coming here because, you know, you, you want to teach this material, that's very different than you're coming here because I've got this client and I'm struggling with this. 
And once we can kind of connect in with that on a, on a, on a level and we can really kind of sit in their shoes, then we know exactly what information, because I can go, let, let me show you the way that I did this. Or let me show you the way that we could think about this. Let's do it together. And, and that, that experience, I, I, can't, I can't differentiate too much between working with clients and students. Well, I'm going to ask you about that now. <laughs> but I love, I mean, I think empathy is what you're saying is really important. And you've got like two philosophies that really stand out to me. It's like, hey, I'm going to jump in and I like change and I'm going to figure it out along the way and I'm happy to change along the way. And then I think if you have that and you've got that confidence with that and then the empathy for whomever's in front of you that I don't know who's in front of me mm -hmm. right now but I'm going to service the crap out of them with everything I have. And because I'm comfortable changing, mm. if I don't know something, I'm going to double back, learn more and come back. And that creates a really nice like yin and yang flow where you really get to bridge those pieces together. On that note, yeah. you've taken your Integra training and we talked about you being an RTS instructor and you've started an entirely different branch of Integra, Integra education, which has really taken off mm. and turned into this amazingly cool online in-person combination platform. Um, if you might, if you don't mind, could you speak to developing Integra education and how did that start? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's really, you know, I, in, as an individual, I've been doing this for since 95 and as in, as in, as a trainer. And so there, there are things that, that we have, that I have developed and then we as a team have, have developed in terms of the framework that we offer. So we don't just think about, you know, how can we do a transformation in this period of time? You know what, what what's the basic exercises we, we we think about exercise as this full-bodied thing we're applying forces to anatomy so we need to dive into that and that's that's where you get in rts and exercise mechanics exercise design etc then we're thinking about the stuff that we've learned from jack in terms of the neuroscience of exercise and how the mind affects exercise and exercise affects the mind and so we've got we've got that piece and then we've got communication and coaching skills and the delivery of all of these ingredients. And then you've got the, the project management nature of, of, you know, how to manage a client and manage all of their variables and how to, to deliver the right intervention at the right time with the right measure, sticking key performance indicators, et cetera, et cetera. And we're talking clients for seven, 10, 20 years. So there's, there's, there's kind of this big scope. And that big scope, there was just lots of questions that kept on coming up and lots of areas where we have an opportunity to dive down. Um, and, and part of that is really, you know, uh, in this continuum of how can we, how can we take the individuals that have just done their PT qualification and give them just the right ingredients, maybe two, maybe three that will enable them to not accelerate, but just have a, a bit more grounding and depth in what they're doing from this qualification. And then the other side of the continuum is, is this lab series where we just get to geek out. And that's not meant for everyone. That's just meant for people, people that have done RTS. They've done RTS. They've got the, 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 the knowledge and they've applied that and they've maybe retaken that course. Now we've got the same vocabulary. We get to dive in and we get to explore, you know, some 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 more let's say obscure elements of anatomy or let's look at assessments and let's look at the 
the the breadth of assessments, not just this this single one. Um, so it's really just kind of thinking about what do people need, and what were people asking me for, and what were people asking me for in terms of individual tutoring, and how could I create something that they could they could run with it. So we, you know, it's 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 going really well, and the thing that I'm most proud of is the community that's been built, and every single person shows up and you know one of the programs that we do is a, is a tutoring program which is this 30 week long online only but everyone's showing up every single week and they're doing the work in between and they're challenging each other and they're speaking to one another and and it's really it's it's inclusive everyone retains their dignity everyone has empathy that we're all trying to do the best work possible we're trying to do good stuff and it, it is kind of we're carving out a part of the world where we get to um, do some cool stuff. So I'm, I'm, I'm really proud of that. It's amazing. You're honestly doing some amazing stuff. And if anyone's not checked out Michael yet, check out Integra Training, check out Integra Education. You got to check both of them out. They're fantastic. So I want to ask you one big question to have perhaps button up today. And there's so many more, like you've talked about retention and community, and I'd love to just talk to you about that, but we're gonna, we're gonna step away. I wanna come back. You have two companies. You have Integra Training mm. and Integra Education. Mm. And I would say one of the biggest struggles I personally had was I opened Strata and I started promoting within Strata both companies. I can train anybody, so we're marketing to everybody, which gets nobody, and then I can teach any trainer to be good at what they can do, and again, I'm not getting anybody. And I had this huge struggle where strata internal performance was a confusing message for the first month. You have a very clear delineation between these two things, Integra Training, Integra Education. Do you mind speaking to your philosophies and or thoughts around marketing both of these companies and how you differentiate them? Uh, I had the same problem. So up until I think 2016, it was all under the banner of Integra Training. Uh, but for, for reasons, logistical business reasons, I split the companies into, into uh, two separate ones with, with, with two different markets. On the marketing side, we did the same thing as well in terms of the channels. Um, you, know, you know, the thing that I did with both of them, and this is a constant evolution of understanding, is is really looking at um who's the audience who's the audience what are their pain points what what are those you know pain points their problems that they're looking to solve what what's the the language that they use you know really kind of going into not only demographics but the psychographics what what, what do those individuals believe so we got to believe that the ceo of, a, of an international organization who's you know 51 has a different belief system to a personal trainer who's 26. Absolutely, it's a different, it's a completely different avatar to use that, that marketing speak. Um, so what are the words that this person uses and what's the word that this person uses? What's the language? Where do they hang out? You know, looking at all of them and getting really clear with the vocabulary. Uh, over here on the, on the training side, on the education side, sorry, we might use more technical terms, but the the, the message has got to be, hey, here are some things that you might be able to do with your client. And here are some things that might enable you to become a better exercise specialist, a more effective or more efficient exercise specialist. So let, let's kind of explore some of them. Whereas over here, it might be, here are some 
quick tips that we can help improve your energy, help you be more effective at work. And, and, and even those words there, this is not necessarily dumbed down. This is very specific to them. This is very specific to them. And, you know, in terms of the, the system of doing that, it really is just a case of, um, you know, in your Trello board or whatever you use, having two separate boards. I made the mistake of having it all together. It got really complex. I was like, oh, what's this for? What's this for? Whereas now it's just, it's a little bit more separate. It has to be. But I think that for you mm. also, and I've seen that with you, uh, I've seen it with us, I've seen it with Michelle, and I've seen it with many other places, is that it, it, when you have that separation, like they are entirely different businesses. Like whether or not you're at the helm of it and you're thinking about the same things and you may not, you might even think that you're communicating the same ideas to this different people, but just customizing the language. They're entirely different businesses. They're different models. They yeah. require different infrastructure, different systems, different language. Your irresistible offer has to be totally different. Like you said, you need to know your avatar and they're different. And they both can be mm -hmm. successful, uh, but it does take energy. It's I have to like commend you and anybody who's not checked out your stuff. In my opinion, your marketing stuff inspired me many years ago because it was always clean, crisp. To my observation, there was a clear delineation. And in my opinion, even some of these higher level education companies that you and I are big fans of, I think you have cleaner messaging, cleaner wording, mm -hmm. cleaner images, and what you do overall is sexier than what a lot of other educational companies do. You've got a vibe and it's great. So I'm really honored for you to share some of your secrets, Michael. Honestly, I really appreciate it a lot. The, 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 the thing that, uh, number one, the PT website, I'm, I'm currently redesigning it, you know, cause I like change um, because, cause I'm not really happy with that right now. But the, but the, the interesting thing on that, um, you know, again, those questions, it's about empathy. It's about understanding the person. They don't care about you. They do, you know, we're all gonna be friends, but really they don't care about you. What, what are they going to get as a byproduct of coming, as, as a result of coming to you? And so we need to be speaking to that. And speaking to that, you've got to have empathy. You've got to be able to see, because they don't know what they don't know. And it's incredibly tough for us to understand. Once we, once we understood rotational inertia, it's really tough for us to understand what it's like not to understand rotational inertia. Yeah. Like we, we, we've got to kind of dig in there to really understand from that perspective. And, and that's, that's, that's the crux of all of this. So asking questions, you know, such as, you know, what, what are your client's expectations? What do they believe in? If, if they're not coming to you, why are they not coming to you? If they know about you, why did they choose to go to someone else? And really kind of trying to understand um it's tough it's tough but one thing that that, that and i'll finish on that on the marketing because I, I know we're, we're running out of time is that on the pt side we don't need a website i've actually closed the the instagram channel we don't need it we've never needed to do marketing for uh, outreach marketing for our personal training business because the thing that we deliver for all I'm, I'm saying, you know, I've got no idea if this is going to be useful for you right now. I can tell you that it's being useful for, for a, a ton of people. And all of our clients, and we're talking 99% come from a referral. And once they step through the door, if they've reached that point where we suggested they should come in, 
because we'll we'll speak to them beforehand then it's up to us whether they become a client it's not up to them meaning and that that's not you know that's not kind of some sort of bravado that really is if someone's reached this point they've already made the decision i think so I think unless we unless we mess it up with with our environment or our, our, our bad attitude with them which is a whole other conversation but i love it mm -hmm. i mean the you in our the mentorship program we do for our marketing students we talk about all these different systems and basically you can put your foot on the gas as hard as you want or as little as you want and i've had some of our students say hey i'm noticing that you're not doing all these same strategies with your strata stuff why aren't you and it's like well kind of like you said we've done it and what what's very powerful is once you put on the gas and you take the foot off the gas what kind of flow of clients do you have when you're not putting on on the gas because ultimately you should yeah. create such a powerful inertial force that there should be a yeah. reputation the referral sources they should already be pre-sold before they get to you just like you said so when you do a marketing initiative mm. it only exponentially grows that more but it's powerful mm. and i i mean honestly you're an inspiration to me honestly consistently your calmness and how and hard likewise. you work oh you're, you're buttering my bread man you're too kind um and i love it and i think if anyone here has not heard of michael you have to check him out and I would say this is look at his stuff, look at his personal page, even his business page, everything he's got up and look at it and then take a step back and satellite view and ask yourself, okay, why did he do this post? What is the purpose of this wording? Because everything Michael does is extremely deliberate and very professional and very well done. So Michael, man, thank you so much, dude. I love having you and I'd love to have you on again if you're open to it. Absolutely. This has been fun. Cool, man. Even well, for my introvert itself. I know. I tried to pull some teeth. And we told everybody you're introvert. Did you pee in a cup? <laughs> we didn't get any questions, though. Oh, uh, I know. But you know what we'll do is we'll make sure we get a lot more questions next time. We're going to do some stuff and we'll pull some teeth from the introverted audience of Fitness Pro Mentors. So, everyone, thank you so much for checking this out. Uh, check out Michael. Michael, man. I'll see you soon. It's always great seeing you. Thank you, Brandon.